Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Well, Brent is out of commission today. We can be praying for his family as they're getting over some sickness. But uh, if you have not met me, my name is Sam. I'm the family pastor. So glad you're here this morning. Uh, tomorrow, or today is December 30th, which means tomorrow is the last day of the year, which means that New Year's resolutions are happening. I wanted to make a quick poll real quick. Who here is, has made a New Year's resolution or some goals for 2019? Has anyone done that yet? few people, a few hands. Okay, I'll throw my hand in there. Um, this is the time of year when we tend to set goals. It's something we do. Um, Julie and I are actually just renewing our resolution. We, I think, in 2018, we made a resolution to eat healthier and work out more, and we actually did it. It was the first time we kept a resolution. Uh, we're just renewing it into 2019. Um, but the end of the year, I love this time of year because it is a time when we reflect back on our year. We reflect back and we think, uh, we look at what went well, what we did well, what we like to keep doing well. We also look back at what maybe we didn't do well, what we like to do better at. And we make plans. We make goals, resolutions for the upcoming year. And there are many good goals that we can set for ourselves. I mean, the one Julie and I have got is eat healthy, work out more. That's pretty good. There's other good goals. Uh, binge watch Netflix less. Um, Make more time for family. I need that one too. Um, rid yourself of a harmful habit. If you're a student in the room, it could be improve your GPA so you keep your scholarships, that kind of thing. Uh, or take up a new hobby. There's all kinds of good resolutions. But there's one I want to consider us to consider together this morning. It may be on your mind. It may not be on your mind. But it's the resolution, the goal of a healthy church. See, a healthy church is what Paul had in mind when he wrote his letter to the Ephesians. When he was writing to them, he had been absent for quite some time. He'd likely been in prison, and he was writing to them to be sure that the churches there in their area of Ephesus were remaining healthy, that the members were staying strong in the faith. And so he wrote to them, and he wrote to them with his aim, his goal, his resolution being to keep them healthy. And if that is Paul's goal in writing to churches, it should be our goal as well for 2019 because we, want, we don't want to be a church that's just a nice place together with friends, hear a sermon, hear some music, and go home. No, we want that. That's a good thing. But we want to be a church that is gospel-centered, that is outward-focused, that is showing Jesus to the community of Batesville. We want to be radical in that way. We want to be a healthy, thriving church. So our goal for 2019 Fellowship is a healthy church. And this morning, I want us to consider together three ways that you and I can contribute to the health of our church. Because as we're about to discover from Paul, the truth is, church, we in part play a role in making fellowship a healthy church. God does a lot, but we do too. Paul makes this clear in his letter. Everyone in this room has a part to play in making God's church healthy. So, we're going to dive in. We're going to answer the question, what does a healthy church look like? And how do we individually make it healthy? Well, in our passage, Paul gives three characteristics of a healthy church. And the first one is this. Number one, a healthy church builds itself up. What that means is that a healthy church is built up from the inside. Its members build it up. If you go to the book of Ephesians that Dennis Luter just read, I wish I had his reading voice. It's such a good voice. If we go to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 11 and 12. These were the first two verses. We read this. It says, And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. 
And what Paul is saying here is that Christ has filled the earth with proclaimers of his word. He's filled the earth with apostles and prophets and shepherds. Another word for that is pastors like Brent and myself. He's filled the world with proclaimers of his word to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now when Paul says body of Christ, that can be a confusing term, but what he means is the church. He means the church whom Christ is the head of, the leader of. So when body of, we hear body of Christ, we hear church. And, Paul has, or, and God has sent proclaimers of his word into the world to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, who are the saints? Well, the saints, another word for that is Christians. They're members of the church. They are people who believe in Jesus. So people have been sent. Paul is saying that God has sent proclaimers of his word into the world to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, what this means is that ministry, the building up of the church, is not just for Brent and myself. It's not just for pastors and priests. It's a task given to all of us, the saints, all the members of the church. And that means that each of you in this room, as you're looking toward this next year, you should be wondering, how can I use my gifts to build up the church? Because the truth is, all of you, Every one of you, no one excluded, has been given amazing, unique gifts. God has gifted you with ways to build up the church. If we go to another one of Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians, it'll be on the screen, you shouldn't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, Paul says this, talking about spiritual gifts. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now what Paul's saying there is that when you are saved, when Christ indwells you by his Spirit, when you begin to walk with Christ, the Spirit comes into your life and there are gifts you may not even know you have that are empowered. God has blessed you with gifts for the service of his church. And these can look different for different people. No one in here, I I would guess, has all the same gifts. Um, Some might be administration, but you're an organized person. Some might be encouragement. You're really good at caring for people and building people up. Um, Others might be teaching. For some of you, teaching may be the furthest thing from what you want to do. Some of you, it may be leadership. There's all kinds of them. One of mine, when I was thinking back this past week on kind of when I became a Christian and how that changed me. Um, one of mine, I realized one of my gifts is giving. I'm one of those people that I like to give to anything that comes my way. In fact, when Julie and I were in premarital counseling, we, had to, we eventually came to the topic of money, and we had to talk through money a lot because I'm one of those that, like, I just want to give to anybody who needs something. And Julie is much more the logical person. I'm, I'm the dreamer. I'm kind of, woo. She's, she's the more rational, like, okay, we can give, Sam, but we also need to eat and have a house. Um, <laughs> So she keeps me grounded. Um, But giving is one of my spiritual gifts. Um, You can take assessments online, and it comes up every time. I just have a natural tendency to give of time and energy. You have gifts too, and these may be gifts and skills that you use every day. They may be things you use in your professional career. They may be hobbies that you have. They may be trades. The point is, each of you has been given gifts, skills, and talents. And Paul says that they were given to you for the work of ministry, for the work of building up the church. We have gifts to serve and love one another. And so this morning, as we're kind of starting off here, I want you to ask yourself, and on into this week, continue to ask yourself, how can I use my skills 
my talents to build up Fellowship Bible Church? How can I use my skills, my gifts, the things that God has given me, the talents I have to build up Fellowship Bible Church? Before you even ask that, though, you may need to ask the question. You may need to take stock and ask, what are my skills? What are my spiritual gifts? What am I good at? Or you may even want to ask, what am I passionate about? What gets me fired up? What do I love to see happen? What am I passionate about? Am I passionate about people? Are you good at socializing with people, connecting people? Do you love just getting deeper and deeper into someone and know who they, knowing who they are? Then maybe small group ministry is a good place. Maybe welcome ministry, maybe men's or women's. Are you passionate about investing in those younger than you, into students, college students? Maybe you're very passionate about college students, but not about kids. Maybe you're passionate about kids, but not about college students. Are you passionate about investing in those younger than you? Then maybe consider getting involved in those ministries. Or maybe you're just passionate, you're an organizer, and you're passionate about gathering men together, women together, people together, and you can serve in those areas. Men's ministry, women's ministry. There's so many great ministries here at Fellowship to get plugged into, but one thing I want to say is that you don't have to fit into a mold. We have a lot of ministries, but you may be gifted in a way or passionate about something that is not on our serve card back there in the lobby. There might be something that you're looking at fellowship and saying, man, it would be, would be great if we could do this, or man, this is a need in our church, and maybe God is calling you to lead out in that area. My wife is a great example. She is, um, she is super passionate about nutrition and fitness. I mean, since we've been married, my health has gone way up. It's just awesome. Um, but she is super passionate about fitness, and so she started a group called Fellowship Fit because she is passionate about teaching people how to work out, how to take care of their bodies, but she's also passionate about gathering women together and fellowshipping. And so she started this ministry in our church where now women can gather and work out and have fun, but then also outreach to the community and bring other women into the church. And that was simply her just saying, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what God has gifted me with. Which brings me to the last part of this. There is joy, church, in using your gifts. That's a good litmus test for if you think something is a gift or not. Do you enjoy doing it? I'm going to brag on some people. Um, One of the main parts of my job is I oversee the student ministry, 7th through through 12th grade, plan all their events. I teach them weekly. And I have an amazing crew of volunteers with that ministry. We are able to do so much and do so good because of our volunteers. And it's because they love it. It's because they enjoy investing in students. True story, I know that I can ask my student volunteers for about anything because they love it because I can, this was a true story. I had to call, this was just very recent. I can call them at 9 p.m. and say, hey, I've got a student in crisis. I can't meet with them. I need someone to take him or her out for coffee or dinner and speak the gospel into their situation. And I know they'll do it because they love being with students. That's what they're, that's their passion. That's their drive. And you guys all have these passions too. And to be a healthy church, each one of us, Paul says, must be discovering and developing our spiritual giftings and using them to build up the church. And I mean, what better place to use the gifts that God has given us than the place, than the body of him who gave them to us? So that's the first thing. A healthy church builds itself up. The second thing is this. A healthy church pursues maturity. A myth that I've often heard expressed in churches, either directly or indirectly, is that you're saved, 
So be good, live a good life, go to church most Sundays, and wait for heaven. And I find that to be absolute nonsense because our salvation starts us on a journey to maturity. Let's go back to Ephesians verses 13 and 14, continuing what Paul says. Ending verse 12, he says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What Paul is saying here is that as we do ministry, we do it until we attain a standard. And that standard is, Paul's words, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The standard that we are moving toward after salvation is Christ. We are moving to be like him. We are pursuing his image. We are trying to conform our image to his, not him to our image, The thing is, we don't get saved and then sit down in a church pew and sit there. We get saved and we start running. I think of a college athlete. A college athlete does not sign on to a team and then sit in the crowd and watch the game. A college athlete signs on to a team and becomes the best athlete they can be. They make sacrifices. They give up their time, their energy to become the best athlete they can be. In the same way, you and I, when we commit to following Christ, we strive to be the best image of Christ we can be. We just celebrated Christmas, and I love at Christmas time. We, um, I love the image of Christ being a light. We say Christ is the light of the world. He brings us hope and peace and joy, and I love that image because Christ is a light. He's the one who guides us back to God. You can imagine following a light. Christ is how is the one who tells us how to restore our relationship with God. Follow me, he says. We mature so that we too can be lights for people to come back to God to guide people back. To God, And we cannot do that well if we are not maturing to look like Christ. When I turned, uh, when I turned 18, uh, I was about to graduate high school. My dad um, threw me what we called, I don't, Dad, I don't know if we had a name for it, but he threw what we called a, uh, a man ceremony. It may sound totally cheesy, but it was one of the most significant things in my life because what my dad did was he gathered all the men who had mentored and discipled me up to that point in my life. We had dinner and they affirmed me as a man. They declared me. They said, Sam, you are a man of God. And that meant a lot for me because, not because it made me a perfect man in that moment. Believe me, I am not a perfect man. But it set a measure, a standard that I am always to be in pursuit of. It established that, you know, this is now the standard that you're following, Sam, no matter what comes in life. I had examples, faces to pursue. I had men to look up to and continually be in pursuit of. And in the same way, that's how we pursue the, the standard, the measure of Christ. We have the example in front of us. We need to pursue it. And Paul says that a healthy church's members are pursuing Christ's image. So I ask you, does this need to be part of your New Year's resolution? Part of your year-end goals? If it is, if it does need to be, it could look several ways. It could look like this. It could look like developing a rich devotional life. Uh, God says his word is living and active, and if we devote time to it, it will change you. It will mold you into Christ's image. It could look like learning to walk and talk like Christ. 
One of the great things about the Bible is that we have four, te- four different images of who Christ was, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe it looks like this year committing to reading the Gospels and learning, what did Jesus say? What did he do? How do I need to be like him? It could look, look like working to eliminate sin in your life because when we're saved, God calls us to eliminate sin, to be holy as he is holy, to separate ourselves from the thing that is not him. We cannot not pursue maturity because otherwise, church, as Paul says, we remain children, quote, this is verse 14, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Church, if we do not sink our roots deep down into the soil of the gospel, and if we're not fed by it and transformed by it, then we will be overall ineffective witnesses for Christ. We will be children and not mature adults. And God has called us to be adults. So that's the second thing. A healthy church pursues maturity. Number three, a healthy church functions like a body. Paul's already mentioned this a little bit, but we're gonna, he's going to go deeper now. Verses 15 and 16, Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. He's again continuing that theme of being like Christ. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what Paul, Paul kind of focuses in on the metaphor of the body here. And I love this. He says that, you know, Christ is the head, the church is the body, and the members of the church are the parts of the body. He says the joints of the body that hold it together. And when each part is working properly, the body functions like it's supposed to function. The body thrives. It's healthy. Church, we are all different parts of the same body. Now, the human body, I, love, I like to think about the human body as having a lot, you know, has a lot of parts. Um, and I was thinking through some of our different ministries in the church and what parts of the body, the, the body of Christ, they would be. And I said, well, some people in our church are the hands. I think of the welcome team because they shake people's hands as they come in. Uh, and then I said, some people are the mouth because they teach, like me or our Sunday school teachers. Uh, some people are the taste buds because they provide great food. Amen. Uh, great coffee, snacks out in the foyer. Um, actually, I sent, a t- I sent a text to some of my friends from college, and I said, hey, uh, based on what you do in church, what part of the body of Christ are you? And one of my friends said, I'm the nose because I sniff out the fakers like a bloodhound. Don't want her in your church. Um, another friend of mine said, I'm the mouth because I can talk to anyone and make friends quickly so they feel welcome. I had some others, but you kind of get the idea. All of us have a role to play in making the body function together. And that means that when the body is, when, that means though that when some parts of the body, some members are not functioning, the body's performance is handicapped. It's limited. And we all know this, for a human body to work properly, each part has to function. If I'm going to get energy from food, the muscles in my mouth have to open to get the food. My teeth have to chew it. I have to swallow it. I think there's muscles involved in that. The stomach has to digest it. The intestines have to get all the, the nutrients out of it. And then the rest has to do its thing to be sure it exits clearly. You know, I'm not going to go into detail on that. <laughs> but you get the point. All the parts have to work right for the body to function correctly. And it's the same with an engine. When Julie and I were um, dating, I would take the bus out to Tennessee, and I would spend a lot of time just kind of hanging out with her father-in-law while she was working, and one day, 
he was taking apart his engine to fix it. He's a much braver man than I am when it comes to fixing cars. Um, and so I was just kind of helping him, taking this engine apart piece by piece. And uh, eventually we came to this point where it was like we had this giant cloth with all these parts. And I was just looking at it thinking, all these parts have to work together to make this car work. Like all these parts have to be in perfect synchronization and all these different things to make the car move like it's supposed to move. And in the same way, each joint of Fellowship Bible Church, each member has to work together in order for the church to function, to be healthy like a body. Each part depends on the other parts doing their part. And everybody's part is different. Some may be in the spotlight more, some may not be. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says this in verses 21, 22, and 26. He says, The eye cannot say to the hands, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So what Paul is saying here is that no one is indispensable. We all need each other. I think about the band up here. We have a great worship band up here, but they can't do what they do if the tech team is not up there pushing buttons and making sure I mean, it'd be great. I mean, I don't know what would happen. I mean, there may be no sound if there were no tech guys. Um, our church is very outreach-focused, but Brent and I can't do outreach if we don't have people doing outreach in our church. Everyone is needed. No one is important. We all have a part to play. Tom Rainer, who's the, he's a, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot by Tom Rainer. He's the former president of Lifeway Christian Resources. He's the current president of churchanswers.com. He says in his book, I am a church member, he says this. Talking about the church as a body, he says, each of these parts is supposed to function. The foot is to walk, the hand is to grasp and hold, the ear is to hear, the eye is to see, the nose is to smell. We who are church members are all supposed to function in the church. The concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Biblically, no such church member really exists. So what this means is that no one is unusable, number one, but two, no one is called to just come on Sunday, be fed, and leave. That is none of our callings. A healthy church functions like a body, each member doing their part, using their gifts to build one another up in love. And if some members are not doing their part, then the body, the church, is limited. It's handicapped. So I ask you this morning, are you functioning? Are you a functioning part of the body of Christ? Or are you what we tend to call inactive? Are you limiting the body? Does becoming active and becoming functioning need to be a part of your goal for 2019, your New Year's resolutions? I count myself very lucky to work here at Fellowship because um, one of the things, that, I mean, when we were looking at in, uh, interview, when I was interviewing here and we were applying, I loved the church when I saw it because it has such an amazing base of volunteers. So many people in this church give so much time and energy. I, excuse me. I'm getting choked up over it. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Every week I learn about more people doing different things, and I'm just blown away by it. Um, if a healthy church is our goal, I believe we are on track with that goal. I really do. Still, we can always keep getting healthier, kind of like with your body. You can always work out more. You can always eat healthier. Um, and there's a statistic from Tom Rainer's book that says if you have three members, 300 members on your role at church, likely 100 of them are active, engaged, serving. 
So one in three. Now, I think at Fellowship, our numbers are better than that. I'm biased, but I believe that because I meet a lot of you who are serving. Um, so I think regardless of what our numbers are, we always want to be getting healthier to be the best healthy church we can be. Now, maybe you're here and you're asking, okay, why? Why do we need to be the healthiest church? Why is being a healthy church so important? Why, why should I get involved in a ministry? Um, why should that be my goal? Well, I've got two reasons this morning. Two reasons. The first one is this. Two things to remember. The first is Jesus. We just, um, we just celebrated Jesus a lot at Christmas. And he's just as worthy to celebrate the rest of the year. And think about Jesus. His body is the church, the place that you are sitting in right now. His body is the church. So as you're making your resolutions, consider the church, the body of the one who made saving you his resolution. We just spent a whole month during Advent talking about how Christ came to save. He came to be a light to us, to give us hope and peace and joy. He made you his resolution, the resolution of his life when he came to save you from your sins and give you new life. So make him, serving him, your resolution. Consider how you can do that today and this week and this year. So remember Jesus. Two, remember the future. Again, I listen to podcasts. I'm kind of an addict. Um, One pastor that I love to listen to, Brent recommends him all the time, is Tim Keller. Keller, um, if you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, and he also serves with Redeemer City to City, which is a group that starts new churches around the globe. And uh, something I hear him say over and over again is this. Brent's probably quoted it. He says, what we believe about the future affects how we live today. What you believe about your future affects how you live today. And I was like, I wonder if what we believe about the future of the church affects how we treat it today. And I think we do. I think that's true. What we believe about the future of the church affects how we treat it today. So this morning, I want to ask, is this place that we gather every week just temporary? Is it merely a holding tank for heaven? A place to wait for either Jesus to come back or death and then resurrection when Jesus comes back? Or is it more? Or is it more? See, one of the great promises made by Jesus is that he is coming back. That he's come, he's begun to restore his creation, but that he will be back again. And when he comes back, he will make all things new. He will remove sin. As Isaiah says, um, the lion will, shall lay down with the lamb. The new heavens and the new earth will come in. War, pain, sickness will all cease. The creation will be as it was meant to be as we see it in the Garden of Eden. Just as God created it, good, nothing bad. The effects of sin will be removed and the world will be as it was meant to be. So is the church just temporary, a place for us to wait until all that happens, until Jesus comes again, or is it more? I tell you this morning that it is so much more than just a place to wait. See, Jesus is making the world new again. His word, his word tells us that. He's bringing in a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation, and he's using the church to do this. Paul knew this, so he understood the importance of a healthy church when he wrote to the Ephesians. That's why he emphasized be a healthy church because a healthy church is a church that helps bring in the new heaven and the new earth. For Paul, the church is God's vehicle for bringing heaven down to earth. 
And when we pursue maturity, when we build each other up, when we do, when we serve and function like a body and build each other up and serve this community, we in fact are showing Batesville, showing Arkansas, showing our neighbors glimpses of the new world that is to come, of heaven. We are bringing heaven down to earth. We are giving people a glimpse of God's glorious plan for creation. So let that be your motivation for getting involved in serving the church because the healthier we are, the greater we show how good God is and how good his plan is for us. So I challenge you, as we're wrapping up here, my challenge to you is to go out, if you're not serving already, if you're, some people in here may be already be serving in 10 places, and they're like, Sam, I can't serve anymore. I'm, I'm, for people who are not serving in any, in any capacity, I challenge you, go check out our serve cards. They're on the black table. I'm looking at them right by the, right by the coffee pots. Check them out. Consider, how can I serve Fellowship Bible Church? What are my talents, my skills? What has God given me a passion for? Check out those cards. Fill them out. Find a place to serve. Pray over them. We, talk, we said, you know, the past few weeks with Christmas, we've been saying over and over again, Christ is so worthy, he's come to save. He's just as worthy the rest of the weeks of the year. So let us pursue being a healthy church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for all its incredible, incredible volunteers and members who are, who are impacting this community, God. Father, your word says that when we, that we function best when all of us are involved. And God, I pray that for those who are not involved in serving at fellowship, I pray that they will find a place. Not that they'll just find a place for the sake of finding a place, but I pray that they'll find a place that gives them joy, that they'll have joy in serving, that they'll um, get to use the things that you've gifted with them with, their talents, their, their hobbies, their skills, their gifts. God, we pray that our church will be a beaming light for you in our city. God, I pray that as we grow, as we mature and build one another up, that we will continually seek to glorify you in all that we do. In your name I pray, amen.